0: Hi, this is Bob Bostock, and welcome to another edition of Discover DEP. You can download Discover DEP and subscribe to future editions through iTunes and Google Play. Today, we're joined by Kathy Clark, supervising zoologist for the Endangered and Non-Game Species Program within DEP's Division of Fish and Wildlife. Kathy is here to talk to us about our national bird, the bald eagle, and its life and history here in New Jersey. DEP just released its Bald Eagle Report for 2016, to which Kathy contributed. This report is full of information about bald eagles in New Jersey and provides some encouraging statistics about the recovery of this majestic bird. Kathy, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Kathy, Benjamin Franklin once wrote, and I'm sure you've heard this before, I wish the bald eagle had not been chosen as the representative of our country. He is a bird of bad moral character. He does not get his living, honestly. Now, I know it's kind of bold asking whether you agree or disagree with Ben Franklin, but do you think he was right when he's talking about the bald eagle?
1: No, sorry. He was totally wrong. (laughs) He wanted the wild turkey to be our national bird. And anyone who compares the wild turkey to the bald eagle, you know that we can be much more inspired by the very regal standing and the white head and white tail of the bald eagle.
0: So, Kathy, tell us about bald eagles in New Jersey. Where do we find them? Tell us, give us some background on the bird.
1: Well, the the big picture is that bald eagles are one of our greatest success stories in wildlife management. In New Jersey, they were down to just a single pair because of the, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the effects of chemical contamination in the environment and such. But eagles in New Jersey were decimated, as they were in most of the United States, and down to just a single nest in New Jersey. What year was that? Probably in the 1960s and, and all through the 1970s, just a single nest had remained. Wow. And yeah, that's a pretty dramatic decline. And it, it, so it makes their recovery just all the more dramatic that now we have surpassed 150 nesting pairs.
0: That's impressive. I remember uh, back when the Endangered Species Act was signed by President Nixon that uh, the bald eagle was one of the first species to be put on the list, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Exactly. Yeah, uh,
0: because it is not only a majestic bird, I mean, just beautiful to see them in the wild as our national symbol. It was kind of important that we'd be able to bring them back from the brink of extinction the way they were. Why were they in such trouble?
1: DDT went into widespread use after World War II.
0: And what was it used for?
1: DDT is a really important pesticide. It was used very widely, and especially in New Jersey, to control agricultural pests and mosquitoes. The crazy thing about DDT is it's so very persistent. It's still in our environment today, even though it was banned in 1972. So it's very long-lived in the environment and it was insidious in the way that it worked its way, eventually reaching the top of the food chain animals like bald eagles. So bald eagles, peregrine falcons are, are probably two of the poster children for the terrible effects of, of DDT.
0: So it would bioaccumulate in what they were eating. and
1: Exactly, yeah. 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 It didn't kill the some of the smaller organisms as it built up in their bodies. And, of course, small fish are eaten by bigger fish, and then those fish are eaten by some fish-eating birds. And so it was the top predators that were getting this dose in every meal that they ate so it built up in their bodies and the effect of DDT was actually that it interfered with the way eggshells are made inside the female's body those eggshells were too thin to actually withstand incubation so eggs were being laid and when the adult eagle would go to incubate it eventually it was crushed and that was happening so even when we we had only a single nest and we finally we you know we knew where it was we had nest observers watching it every year, year after year, there were no chicks uh, being produced from that nest.
0: So when did we find out that DDT was the major contributor to this thinning of the of the eggshells?
1: That came about because a lot of raptor biologists, which are, are people who study birds of prey, at a very historic uh, meeting in 1964 in Madison, Wisconsin, where all these field people and falconers got together to figure out what exactly is going wrong, why are uh, peregrines disappearing from the landscape, and of course bald eagles at the same time, so that was the beginning, and it was really the result of that one meeting where everybody got their marching orders let's you know let's really go out. this is what we think it is, this is what's uh, happening and, and of course, Rachel Carson
0: yeah Silent Spring
1: publishing Silent Spring was, of course, a true milestone for conservation and and for warning us about what some of these uh, miracle chemicals were going to mean for us.
0: So DDT was banned in 1972, uh, but as you mentioned, it persists in the environment. When did eagles start to make a comeback? When did we start to see that the impact of DDT on the eggshells started to diminish so that uh, they could reproduce the way they ought to?
1: Eagles are a very long-lived bird. And, uh, How long do they usually live? They can live to 20, uh, even older, in the wild. I think the record holder is was 38 years old uh, when that bird died. So they're long-lived and they also take, uh, you know, it's five years before they're old enough to nest. So that is the type of species that is hardest to bring back. Endangered species tend to be those that are long-lived and slow to reproduce. Uh, The ones that reproduce quickly, like rabbits, they're never going to be endangered unless we really do something wrong. And usually it's habitat loss that is uh, really affecting a species. So for long-lived species, um, things that affect our environment so insidiously like very widespread chemical contamination or require improvements in water quality, those things really take time the bald eagle in new jersey like i said had been down to just a single pair that wasn't reproducing because that adult female was an older female still had that level of chemical contamination so that nest wasn't reproducing so the division of fish and wildlife took action beginning with our work here probably started in about 1980 prior to that we had been monitoring that nest we knew it wasn't producing Uh, So one of the first actions was to go into that nest uh, early in incubation, remove the egg that had this thin shell, um, have that artificially incubated in a safer environment, and in the meantime, those eagles were sitting on a fake egg and that kept them incubating during the time their real egg was getting incubated by, uh, of all things, a really lightweight chicken. (laughs) And uh, in that way, our eggs in New Jersey I call them our eggs, but (laughs) our eggs were able to hatch and then that chick that hatched was brought back to the nest when it was about two weeks old. And then we would climb the nest again and do a quick switch, take the fake egg, put the real chick in there, and it really only took minutes for the adults to sort of get their head around the fact that their egg hatched and here's a chick, and then they start caring for that. So that was one of the first steps and uh, allowed that nest to start producing eagles again.
0: Mm. And how many more eggs did that female eagle lay during the rest of her life?
1: Well, that eagle was a long-lived bird, and we ended up doing that egg switch between 1982 and 1988. And in 1989, we have nest observers uh, who were watching, and the nest observer was very keen-eyed and knew that the female had been replaced by a new one. And the truth was uh, that that's what happened, and she was able to lay successful eggs. Ah, so that was the last time we did that. Isn't that.
0: So back in 89. Yes. What was involved in climbing up to an eagle's nest? They're pretty high up, aren't they?
1: They are. And when we had one single nest in New Jersey, it was in the middle of a very deep forest, an old-growth forest. And that nest was probably a hundred feet off the ground and and very remote area, so that was a real trek into the woods. We had a you know professional tree climber, and it was a, a quite a feat, but it had great results, and and that was um, what we were after. And the but, eagles' nests
0: are very large, also, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and especially nests that are used for generations, which is really fascinating. That's what eagles would tend to do: is use the same nest year after year and build onto it. So they can be easily six feet uh, deep and, and six feet across and sometimes bigger. Wow. So it's a big nest. And what do they tend
0: to make their nests out of?
1: The nests are, are big stick nests, and like I said, they add to them year after year. When they're ready to, getting ready to lay eggs, they actually add grasses to the top of the nest, and that makes it soft for the eggs and the chicks.
0: Interesting. And with adding the additions to their house, they don't need to go for any zoning permits or anything. Hopefully not, which is good for them. (laughs) The nest itself is quite impressive. It's quite an impressive feat.
1: Yeah, and the nests that uh, are really used for generations. Some people have described them as an upside-down Volkswagen bug. You know, I mean, that's they can be really massive. Really,
0: so they need to pick a spot where the tree is going to be able to support the the weight of the. Of the nest as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Eagles are choosing their nest areas mostly based on what food is available. So they want to be next to open water where there's good fish supply. They, you know, they they feed on uh, fish, waterfowl, anything aquatic really, but they do prefer fish. So they're looking for the food supply in, when they choose a nesting area. But they also need that, you know, definitely need a really good strong tree.
0: Now the eagles have recovered so beautifully here in New Jersey, it's quite a remarkable success story. How are they doing in the rest of the country?
1: Yeah, we're, we're really proud that we can say that we've got over 150 pairs of nesting eagles. There's probably more pairs that we don't know about, but the success in New Jersey is mirrored uh, of course by what's happening in the rest of the country, and the national population is uh, probably over 15,000 nesting pairs. Um, It could be twice that when you count Alaska and and southern Canada. Bald eagle's range is is really limited to North America. They're in uh, Canada, the U.S., and northern Mexico. So they're really a North American bird and they're not found on other continents.
0: Are they still on the endangered species list?
1: They're on New Jersey's endangered species list right now. We are assessing bird status right now, it's a procedure that we go through, so they their status is being evaluated right now. Mm-hmm. Eagles were taken off the federal endangered species list in 2007, but they're, they're still protected under federal law that's called the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act.
0: So although they're off the list, you can't uh, hunt them or anything?
1: Oh please, no. <laughs>
0: That's good. And
1: and all nest sites are protected because, you know, even though they're delisted uh, federally, eagles are still very sensitive to human disturbance um, to varying degrees. And uh, one of the great things about seeing the recovery in New Jersey is, though, uh, back when we started and there was one nest and it was in the middle of this old growth forest, we thought, well, that's what eagles need, and therefore we can't expect them to be just anywhere. But with the second nest and third nest being in agricultural areas, we started to see that they were really homing in on where is the good food, and then they'll find some sort of nest tree nearby. But the great thing about the recovery in New Jersey is that they're pretty much statewide. They're found in almost every county, Wow! and uh, they're showing us where the good habitat is by the places they choose. That's great.
0: Now, the report that was just issued at the end of last year, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the findings in that report.
1: Right. We report on a number of things. The, The things that we measure about the population, we do focus on the breeding population, so we're monitoring all the nests, and we have a great core of Eagle Project volunteers who monitor nests for us across the state, and they are reporting on nests roughly once a week, We want to know things like uh, when the 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 date of incubation, the the date of hatching, how many chicks, uh, and when they fledge. And these are all 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 that data is gathered by our eagle project volunteers for the most part. We also go to about a dozen nests each spring where we band the chicks. We take measurements. We also take a blood sample. We use the blood sample to monitor their uh, exposure to environmental contaminants. Um, because contaminants are still out there, there's still DDT can still be found in their bloodstream, but there's also other things like PCBs and um, you know all kinds of chemicals that we make now, like flame retardants. So it's important to keep monitoring the exposure of a sensitive species like bald eagle. We also reported in the report on some of the results of tracking eagles with telemetry with satellite transmitter units. And now those are kind of expensive units, but they're really well made for um, a long-lived and long-ranging species like eagle. So um, it's really fascinating to see the results of the telemetry um, and where these eagles are going when they leave the nest. Where where do
0: they tend to go? Do they travel far in search of food? I know, I know you mentioned they like to build their nest near a food source, but how how far do they travel to find food? Are they. Pretty much stay in the neighborhood, or do they go pretty far?
1: It's it's kind of all over the map, you know, literally and figuratively. What we've found and what we didn't know before, so we always used to think that eagles would fledge from their nests and spend some time, of course, still getting help from their parents and learning how to fly and learning how to fish. And then we thought that they tended to go south and especially into Chesapeake Bay for the winter, because Chesapeake Bay is a huge, um, important. Uh, eagle wintering area. And what we found was when uh, now with now putting transmitter uh, tracking units on young eagles, we find that when they leave the nest, yes they, they do stay in the nest area for several months, and then it's almost unpredictable which way they're going to go. We've had eagles go east, go west, and go south, and of course go north. And the northern ones are really amazing to me because some of these young eagles, they've only been flying for a couple months, and they fly due north, and they don't stop. And we've had birds go out of range going into Quebec, and (laughs) Maine and Quebec, and just remote areas. And where they are hanging around, they they might find a nice lake. One bird uh, two years ago found this nice remote fishing lake and stayed there for months. And then when it started to get cold, he came south again. And so there's these, all of our birds seem to make at least one big movement like that, and then come back and spend a lot of time in one area. So we have a bird right now we're tracking who's staying in South Jersey. Another bird is staying in Eastern Maryland. So it, it's really interesting. And of course, they are not tied to a nest until they're about four or five years old. Mm. So they're doing this wandering, but they're using a lot of the same areas night after night or day after day. So they, they get to know what's a safe place. And of course, they're showing us what's good habitat.
0: And how do they fish? I mean, it's kind of, I've, I've... Don't fish a lot, but you know, more more often than not, I come back with nothing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're flying around and can catch fish down in the water. How, how do they do that? It's
1: kind of amazing. It really is amazing, and they and that's something that ha- they have to learn, um, or they won't survive. They have great eyesight, so that's one thing, and they actually tend to hunt by perching along an open waterway. So they're watching the water, and they're and they're probably watching for that fish activity course when they uh, are ready to catch they're trying to come in at, at fast speed and then just you know uh, they don't really dive in like ospreys will do but they're, they're, they're you know, raking their talons uh, across the top of the water.
0: Really? Yeah. Wow. So they, do they come in kind of uh, steep or, or on a less of a slope?
1: Yeah, more of a slope, not usually steep, because they really don't want to get too wet. Mm-hmm. Now, ospreys are something else. They'll they'll dive up to four feet deep in, in in going for a fish. And ospreys, of course, are, are fish experts.
0: And the um, eagles will also go after, if they can't find fish, they'll eat small rodents and things like that.
1: Yeah, and during the winter, carrion, um, you know, dead deer are, are an important food source, too. Yeah. Interesting. The
0: threat of DDT was at least reduced. It's not totally eliminated because it's still in the environment, but it's been banned now for more than 40 years. What other threats do eagles face now in the environment that are being caused by people?
1: Yeah, the, the top three sources of mortality are people related. Number one was probably trauma caused by collision with wires or vehicles. The second is electrocution, which is can can be a real problem when eagles land on top poles. They have that wide wingspan that it, causes them to connect wires that shouldn't be. And the third uh, is probably the threat of lead poisoning uh, because they pick up lead shot and ammunition when they feed on dead deer.
0: How long have you been studying bald eagles?
1: Well, I was lucky enough to get a job with the Endangered Species Program uh, right out of graduate school. And uh, so working on the eagle project was one of my first uh, duties.
0: And over the years that you've been doing it, kind of what are some of the your most fun facts to know and tell about bald eagles?
1: It's a real privilege to study this this animal, um, this species, uh, to see a rare species come back from just the brink of extinction and to just totally thrive now in a state like New Jersey. You know, We actually have great habitat and we have some eagles going into urban and suburban areas which some people think that that doesn't really mesh with uh, with a with a bald eagle, but when you look at it from the eagle's perspective, and they're responding to where that food is, you know, we have some great open waters. Mm. It's just that they they're going through urban areas, and those waters have gotten cleaned up over the last uh, 30 years. Fish have responded, uh, waterfowl have responded, muskrats. There's a lot of aquatic life in those. Uh, waterways, and that's what eagles are seeing. So when we see them settle into some urban and suburban areas, it's not that they like people. It's just that they like that great food source that no other eagles are using right now. So they're going to take advantage of that. And our challenge is to, can, you know, can we maintain that? Can we maintain both the food source and some green areas and some tree areas? where uh, eagles can have that space. If someone wants
0: to go out and try and see some bald eagles in the wild, what the, what should they be looking for?
1: I like to say always go to the open waters, uh, go to the tidal rivers if you can, and we have tidal rivers you know, north to south throughout the state in addition to the Delaware Water Gap area. Those open areas are where eagles, especially in winter this time of year, are going to congregate. Um, They're going to be perched in the trees and sometimes you just have to look close because the white-headed birds can be easier to spot but all of the the birds that are younger than five years old they won't have that bright white head so if you just look closely sometimes you'll see a very large chocolate brown bird perched in a tree and uh, and that's how they are hunting generally speaking so and when you see them in flight you always have to look twice when you see those large birds in flight they're not always a vulture a vulture is going to you know has that distinctive V shape in the wing and sort of rocks back and forth in the wind an eagle has a very flat profile mm-hmm. and sometimes referred to as a as a plank they're just flat and they have a, they have wide wings um they have a big wingspan mm-hmm. so more and more in fact uh, lots of times when i'm driving you know i might glance up and i see a big bird and you you really have to look at it a couple seconds and you go That's an eagle.
0: Pretty extraordinary. It's wonderful. And what's really extraordinary is the way that this majestic, magnificent bird has come back from, literally, from the brick. To think that uh, 40 years ago there was just one nesting pair in the entire state, now we're up to at least 150 and growing uh, is a tribute, I think, to the commitment that both the federal and the state government made. To make sure that this bird, our national symbol, uh, would not go extinct, and uh, in fact would recover and and thrive. Now it's what a what a great story, great story. Uh, so when people look at the impact we all can have on the environment, uh, sometimes it takes a long time to create the problems, but it also can take a long time to come back from them. And you're not going to see success necessarily right away, and you're going to see some uh, pretty crazy stuff like. People climbing 100-foot tall trees to get to a nest Mm -hmm. and put a fake egg in there. Just uh, amazing the effort that has gone into it. So I want to thank you, Kathy, and all of your colleagues uh, here in the state of New Jersey who have done such great work to bring the bald eagle back to where it is today. And uh, every New Jerseyan can be proud of the results of the commitment that uh, the state made to save this this, uh, beautiful species.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. It it did take a big commitment, and the commitment was made from both the federal Endangered Species Act and the state Endangered Species Act. And there have been a lot of partners along the way uh, to make it happen. But you're right; it does recovering wildlife after they've reached that critical brink is not an easy thing, and it's not something that's going to be quick. So I think in it. it In times ahead, we we always have to think about maintaining that commitment to our environment. That's
0: great. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been a fascinating discussion about the American bald eagle, our national symbol, and uh, having seen them a few times out in the wild, just one of the most really awe-inspiring sights I think I've ever seen is to see one of those uh, magnificent birds, uh, majestic magnificent birds, just kind of gliding by. Uh, The last time I saw one was a year or so ago down by the Delaware and Raritan Canal, right along the river, and it was, you know, everybody in our group just stopped, and their mouths were all kind of, their jaws dropped down, and their mouths were hanging open just watching this bird go by. It was was great. So thank you again so much for being with us. Uh, This has been very informative. So please be sure to look at the description of this podcast, the link to the 2016 report on the bald eagle here in New Jersey will be something that you're going to want to read, Uh, read about the success, read about the plans to continue the success in the years ahead. Again, that link is on the description of this podcast. So, Kathy, thanks so much for being with us. We appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Discover DEP. If you have comments on the podcast or ideas for future podcast topics, please email us at podcast at dep.nj.gov. Enjoy the rest of your day.